and welcome to the Big Apple School Podcast, the weekly English show where we speak about everything under the sun. The major goal of this show is to help you improve your English and, of course, learn something new. My name's Katja, I'm your host, and today with me, Barbara and Benjamin. Dear listeners, you know, we're doing our best to be as useful to you as possible, and we would love to get some feedback about it. So subscribe to our pages on Apple, Yandex, Google, SoundCloud, any platform where you listen to our podcast, and let us know what you think. So rate and review our podcasts, give us stars, leave comments, questions. Feel free to send your ideas about our next episodes. It won't take much time or effort, right? But it will help us a lot. So, and now... Barbara, Ben, I haven't seen you for a long time. What's up? It's been a few weeks. Well, a couple weeks. Yeah, two weeks, I guess. I think it's been even more than that. Oh, really? Hasn't it? Well, three so, weeks, perhaps. A long time. And Barbara, I haven't seen you yeah, for so was, long. I think September. Yes. I think so. And Benjamin, I just met for the first time. So oh, my goodness. Yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So... What have you been up to? Well, I've been in my apartment a lot. Um, I've been taking walks a lot. So nothing much. <laughs> so where do you like to walk the most? Oh, well, I really love Lenina Street mm-hmm. around that area. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we've got some kind of um, dinkier areas where I get my hair cut. And it's kind of a kind of shabby out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like the, the walk around the theater and Lenina. Now that you're walking, do you do you notice any difference in the air, you know, compared with uh, winter? Yes. Yes. I do not know about you, but I very often am unable to take off my mask outside, even if, you know, there's no one around because it's just so dusty. So that's why I don't like spring here in Novosibirsk much. Mm. Yeah, I guess because all the dust has been trapped underneath mm-hmm. all the snow and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it has been released. Yeah. But at least now we have the sunshine and some warmth. Yes. So, and Benjamin, what about you? What's new? What's new? What's new? So I believe before the show, we talked about my visit to the zoo. Tell us more about it. It was a wonderful visit. It was, well, it was still when the zoo was covered in snow and saw some wolves, saw some polar bears, saw some crocodiles, monkeys. It was quite the visit. Have you seen the penguins? Did I see the penguins? I don't think I did see any <gasps> penguins. There are 10 of them. 10 or 15 of them? I think I think about 10 of them. Because I know adorable. the zoo has two different parts. It has the, the delfinari, the dolphinarium, whatever it's called. And yeah, there's, there's different no, the penguins, sections. The penguins are in the zoo zoo. Yeah. So you don't have to pay any kind of a separate fee to go see them. They're in, in the same building with the monkeys, I think. I didn't see them. I saw ostriches. Oh. I saw some ostriches. I saw, what else did I see in the monkey building? Yeah, ostriches. You and- have to go and, you know, you have to go again and see see the penguins. They're adorable. You have to go in the summer though. And yeah. what about space? Do they have enough space? I think so. I mean, they have, um, there are two sections um, that are kind of divided by some kind of tunnels for them. And I know that the zoo has spent so much money to create, you know, the conditions that they would usually be in, which means very hot sand, or like, you know, some kind of warm sand and very cold water at the same time. So, and they managed to do that. So, 
Well, that's what I like about our zoo is that the conditions there are said to be fantastic. You know, animals have space, good food, love and care. Oh, that's so great. So any other places you've been to over here in Novosibirsk? Well, I've been walking around, went around the Nabarizhnaya, so by Rechnoy Vokzal. So I had a few good walks there. Yeah, I've had a good time. I've been exploring the town a lot. That's great. That's great. All right. So and I... Well, I guess I haven't seen Barbara for so long, so <laughs> I guess year, I've got so actually. right. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't think I have much news. I mean, I celebrated my birthday. Um, oh, you do have some news. You do <laughs> your wisdom tooth. Well, yeah, Tell I mean, us about I'm, the wisdom tooth. <laughs> I've mentioned it in one of the previous episodes. Yeah, so I had. A serious dental surgery, so I had my wisdom tooth removed, and then at the same time, one more tooth I, I got it pulled out, and then I got an implant the same day, and then I had more than a week of suffering when I couldn't eat anything but purees, you know, and soups. Yeah, oh god, that's why yesterday I actually had a little bit of a gastro tour around Novosibirsk so I could eat so much and. Right after the podcast, I'm going to my favorite bakery to get some desserts. Mm, yum. Which bakery is that? Biscuit House. Oh, I don't know this one. Oh, that's amazing. It's literally the best bakery. Well, not bakery, but... Well, it is a bakery, a little bakery. Well, so it's called a picarnia. Is that a, that's a bakery, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. it's... This one is more like konditerska. So they don't bake bread, but they do make cheesecakes, cakes, you know, all these yeah. things. And today and tomorrow they have a cheese fest, which means that they make desserts with cheese and not just, you know, some simple cheese, but let's say 28 months old Parmigiano. Oh, so aged mature cheeses. Yes. Okay, so, can we get cheeses? Well, we can't import cheeses into Russia, can we? No. I don't believe so. Yeah. But no. I mean, it, there are many good Russian cheese well, makers. Some you can import sometimes and from some types of cheese and from some countries, but not that many. So, in speaking speaking of uh, you know food and everything, why don't we talk about it? That's what we're here for, you know. Um, so, can you tell me about your diet a little bit? So, because we know that there are so many different types of diet, you know, like pescatarian, vegetarian, vegan. And I remember, Ben, once you mentioned the guy who only eats meat. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, car- carnivore diets and fruitarian diets, yeah, which are two complete opposite extremes. So, so. What, um, what about you? What is your diet like? Oh, well, I had a wonderful diet when I was in the United States. My best diet, my best meal would be this wonderful baked salmon <sighs> with the fat um, scraped off. And this beautiful salad of um, spinach and then cranberry sauce. Oh, the I love tartness of this sauce. cranberry sauce like, kind of cuts through the oil of the fish. Mm. And then I would usually have maybe um, dark chocolate soy ice cream or almond ice cream. And I had that nearly every day. That was Aww. my usual diet. So, Barbara, are you, are you a vegetarian? Well, um, I was a vegetarian since I was 15, actually. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then when I got older, my chiropractor said, oh, your bones are degenerating. you got to have some protein and mm-hmm. um, fish. So I started eating salmon. And then since I've been here, I haven't really been eating 
Mm-hmm. Um, I can't find good fish, and then I feel sorry for the fish that are in the tank. So I'm upset about going to the market and getting mm-hmm. fresh fish. I just can't deal with that. So um, I've started to get some legumes or some uh, like what we call chickpeas, or mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. they're also called garbanzo beans. And those are good. Have you tried um, any of the smoked fishes that you see at the, yeah, that you yeah, see at the shops here? Yeah, I, I've I've tried the packaged fish, and I I was eating that for a few months, and I'm just done with it. I just can't do that. <laughs> You're anymore. done with it. Yeah, that's no more. So, I've recently tried this fish called kieta. I mm-hmm. I was looking for the English translation. I, I couldn't find like a normal translation for it. It's I think it's called dog salmon. And I tried this recently. It was actually really good. So I bought. I some- think if I saw the name in English, I wouldn't try it. <laughs> dog salmon. Yeah. So maybe it's half dog, half salmon. <laughs> you don't know, but it's pretty good. So, yeah. so wait, Barbara. So you've been a vegetarian for a very long time. Then you switched to pescatarian mm-hmm. diet, and yes. now you're back to being a vegetarian. Um. Well, see. My my daughter got me into being more vegan because she was very upset about the dairy products mm-hmm. and how animals are treated with that. And so um, I've started to cut out cheeses and mm-hmm. I, I haven't had any eggs since I've been here. I've had to eat cheese because there was nothing else I could buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I have not had cheese for several months. Um, and it's, oh, I got really into my salads now. So I, I found some good lettuce mm-hmm. and I'm making these huge salads with olive oil and lots of mm-hmm. garlic. So I'm eating that a lot. So now you, uh, you have a vegan diet then? Yes. I'm really trying to stay away from any kind of animal products. It's good that you're here now and not, you know, five years ago, for example, because five years ago, it was impossible to find soy milk or almond milk because when I um, when I became lactose intolerant um, there was a period when I couldn't eat anything uh, dairy so and I tried to find soy milk and it was such a quest such a challenge but now it's so much easier and we have more shops where you are able to find you know let's say chickpea cutlets or something like that or you know some dumplings with mushrooms inside so they're absolutely vegan so it is easy because i actually found some almond milk milk mm-hmm. so i'm pouring that on some granola so i have a little side dish that i can eat yeah so okay ben what about your diet what is it like? i have fluctuated between many different types of diets um recently I've been enjoying the pelmeni quite a lot. <laughs> and recently <laughs> being re- since you came here. And- <laughs> since I came here, i um, <laughs> gone a bit pelmeni crazy. But previously, <laughs> I have experimented with vegan diets, with vegetarian diets. How I, was I'm, it? It was, I, personally, I, I love fruit and I love vegetables. So it's not difficult for me to do. It just, I felt I was always really hungry afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the pelmenis, you can't really... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ben, his love for Pelmeni. Yeah. It's just adorable. Yeah. Um, I'm, Match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I'm not against any vegan diets. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, for, everyone has their own personal needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to find out what the exact perfect diet is. I still haven't come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it changes because if you're exercising a lot, like when I was in the United States, I needed that salmon. I really mm-hmm. needed some really good food. 
But when you don't exercise so much, then you kind of get out of tune with your mm-hmm. body. You're not sure. Maybe you start eating other things that you shouldn't be eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and as you get older, you your, your needs do change. Yeah. And I also know that with with age, you know, your ability to uh, well, the enzymes they kind of what do they do? Um, not produce uh, lactose, but kind. What do they do with lactose? What does our body? do with lactose it kind of breaks it into um some other components it breaks it down it's into like process um so when i know that with age um our ability to process lactose is getting worse so because you know technically a human being doesn't does not have any need to process lactose well technically you know that's why babies you know they need milk that's why they have no problem with lactose and dairy but the older we get the more lactose intolerant we tend to become well i guess because dairy products have growth hormones inside inside them so then babies or yeah Mm -hmm. young animals can grow and i guess perhaps after a certain age maybe you don't need those hormones as much anymore there are some hormones that they actually inject, which is not good for children. There, are, there have been studies where they've seen cheeses and milks being injected. I guess because the poor little animals are injected with hormones so they could mass produce. And this gets into the milk and the cheeses and makes children maybe bigger. So, yeah, we don't need those kind of hormones. Yeah, we definitely don't, no. <laughs> but I, I was talking more about natural growth hormones rather than, um, yeah, artificial hormones because of course we don't want artificial yeah Mm -hmm. hormones in our food that's not good so and what other diets exist so we have vegetarian vegan fruitarian you mentioned so does that mean that people only eat fruit and vegetables yeah strictly fruit and vegetables well i i think a fruitarian means someone just who eats fruit only yeah i guess so and then okay and have you ever heard of it like an Aryan or something that someone only lives on air some how long do they do that well i don't know i've read these things um for yogis in mountainous areas and there's some kind of spiritual lift and they only exist on air you've never heard of that no i think they only exist on air for relatively short amount of time and then they move to another world they get a little bit of grass on the side and (laughs) (laughs) just yeah I think this is more of an extreme. Yes, definitely an extreme. Absolutely. A spiritual diet. And then there is, um, Ben, can you help me with this one again? Carnivorous diet? Yeah, carnivorous. Yeah, carnivore diet. Carnivore diet. So it's only meat. Yeah, strictly meat. Yeah, strictly meat. Now, herbivore would be both or everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything. Mm -hmm. No, I know. Well, om- omnivore. Omnivore, yeah, omnivore is yeah. everything. Like yeah. Right, right, right. Herbivore is a plant-based yeah. diet. Okay. So that would include both vegetables mm-hmm. and fruit. Then we also have flexitarians. So it's people who generally don't eat meat or, you know, try to cut down on it, but then occasionally they can have a little bit of it. So they have, they have flexible diet then. Yeah. But they tend to lean to the plant-based food at least. So, and what about your diet? Would you say that, and do you think that your diet has all the nutrients that you need, that your body needs? So, what do you think? Well, sometimes I feel a little tired in the day. So, perhaps maybe not. Maybe I need more carbs. Carbs, a lot of people advise against carbs, but you need carbs to stay awake. I would advise you, since now you live in Mother Russia in Siberia, to check your vitamin D levels. Yeah. 
So this is one big problem that a lot of people who live here have. Well, because we don't get the sunshine, usually our diet does not provide us with enough vitamin D. So a lot of people have, you know, a shortage of it, a lack of vitamin D. Yeah. All right. Barbara, what about you? Do you think that your diet provides with all the... Well, with my sedentary lifestyle now, I think I'm getting all the nutrients that I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I, I'm really concerned about eating too much. So um, I will go a long time without eating. I'll just have some water mm-hmm. and then I'll have something. And then, oh no, let's look at the clock and not eat anymore for a while. <laughs> Is what, what are your views on fasting? Because fasting is quite yeah. a popular trend. Yeah, that was, well, we were always put on fasts when we were in uh, ballet training as teenagers. So it was part of our crazy diets. But they do say that if you fast, you can kind of clean out your system. But the important thing is how you break your fast, mm-hmm. what you eat. Because that could be dangerous if you eat something. But yeah, you have to slowly reintroduce certain mm-hmm. yeah. things. And then there's now this thing which is uh, quite popular, which is interval fasting, I think. So, you know, basically you have, depending on your lifestyle, age, habits and everything, you have a schedule of when you fast. So let's say 18 hours of no food, then within six hours you're allowed to eat. So and it's kind of like waves of time, you know, when you can or cannot eat. So and some people say that it helps them, you know, to uh, lose weight to become healthier, but of course it's all personal, you know. Well, that sounds like uh, sticking to a, some kind of eating schedule. Mm-hmm. And I really don't have a schedule. I eat when I can or eat when mm-hmm. I need to, so I really don't have it. But I guess that it should be scheduled to regulate your body. You know, while preparing for this podcast and while, you know, thinking about diets and writing information about, you know, nutrients and everything, I have realized how horrible my current diet is. Like, it's so bad. I try to make it better because the thing is that when I don't think, you know, and I don't plan ahead, I tend to snack a lot. I tend to eat a lot of sweets. I have a sweet tooth. Thus, I have to visit my dentist pretty often. So then when I actually put some thinking into it, when I plan ahead, I start to, you know, uh, include vegetables, fruit, uh, chickpeas, you know. But then again... I get too busy and then I I realize that I again eat too much, you know, processed food, everything. But I don't think that my diet provides me with all the needed nutrients. I mean, have you heard this uh, saying that we need about five portions of fruit per day, fruit and vegetables? So, and I have realized that I only have like my two or three portions per day. But I don't think that food pyramid is going to suit everybody. Just like sure. you're saying at different ages, different cycles of your mm-hmm. life. Uh, it's just some kind of guide, mm-hmm. maybe for the ones who are growing, the children. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, fruit uh, is acidic. It's, it's sugary. It can affect your teeth as well. It could bloat your stomach. That's why they say that you also need to think when, at what time of the day... And with what food you eat, fruit and veggies. So how there do you is, combine yeah. them? Um, now, when I was a teenager, we were not allowed to combine um, nuts with fruit. And mm-hmm. it has something to do with um, they just don't mix well and they mm-hmm. don't digest well. So you want to avoid uh, eating nuts with liquid drinking or with fruit and vegetables. Oh, I did not know that. Like, yeah, neither did I. I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> well, it was a if so you, I eat a lot of fruit and nuts, so I need to... Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. see, now I don't really... 
I don't really heed to that anymore. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as a teenager, I did. Okay. So, and how much sugar is in your diet? Oh, I I cannot say ninety percent. I don't know a lot. In what, in what form? Well, the fruit, mm-hmm. and then of course the M and M's every day. Really, every day. But I've cut down because of my teeth. I had to have a nice visit to the dentist, maybe five or six times. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I have to be really careful. But it's that sugar, that addiction. Mm-hmm. If you believe that it's a Addictive, I do. <laughs> well, actually, since we're talking about sugar today, well, sugar, salt, and fat. So let's talk about this addiction. Do you think, and well, why is sugar addictive? Do you know anything about that? Yeah, it's supposed to stimulate the euphoria, a part of your brain, mm-hmm. and makes you feel、um, ecstatic and fulfilled and satisfied and happy, and that's what we all want to be—happy. So we take those M and M's. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know,、um, what's the、uh, hormone of happiness? Dopamine. So、uh, when we eat sugar, it produces dopamine in our brain. So it's released by neurons in the system, as you know, the same way that. Well, the same、uh, type of happiness we get when we perform something well, you know, some kind of a reward, and it's interesting that、um, it has the same reaction to the body as some of the drugs. So let's say、uh, cocaine or you know some other nicotine, you know, they activate the same systems in our brain to produce this dopamine as sugar, and some people say that's why you know sugar. Activates reward system in the brain. That's why it's so addictive. So we want you know to feel this happiness, even if it's short term when we eat those M and M's. But then if we eat, if our body gets accustomed to a certain level,、mm-hmm. then you have to eat more and more and more, and then you don't even it doesn't even affect you. Yeah,、mm-hmm. we build up a tolerance. A tolerance,、mm-hmm. and that、mm-hmm. goes with alcohol and drugs.、Mm-hmm. That tolerance. So that's the danger of it.、Mm-hmm. So before we move on into talking. In, You know, in more detail about sugar and its effects and everything. Do you know anything about the history of sugar? Oh yeah. Oh, please do tell. Well,、um, the、uh, triangular trade、um, during the Industrial Revolution. This happened between fifteenth、uh, century and the eighteenth century.、Mm-hmm. Um, London became a center of the Industrial Revolution. They were、uh, capable of manufacturing things, but they need raw material.、Mm-hmm. So, of course, our new land before the United States was this whole mecca of raw materials: sugar, rice, or arable land that you can grow、mm-hmm. sugar and rice,、um, precious metals,、um, iron, gold. Lumber trees,、mm-hmm. and so of course, how are we going to get those things cultivated and procured?、Uh, of course, African slaves.、Mm-hmm. So、um, this industrial revolution in London, the capabilities of making weapons, they would go down to the west coast of Africa, trade、uh, human beings for these、uh, weapons,、mm-hmm. and then send them across the Atlantic, which is called the the Middle Passage, and so.、Um, This is how it it started, and it our addiction for sugar has never really ended.、Mm-hmm. So, but that is more, you know, of a recent history of、uh, sugar. I would say, you know, the the commonly known 
processed sugar, you know, refined sugar. But um, initially, sugar well is believed to have appeared in um, in the year 2000 BC. So, and they say that, um, well, it, it was in the form of uh, extraction of the juice from the sugar cane. And it all started in um, Polynesia. So it started in New Guinea. So in New Guinea and in um, Taiwan and southern China. But those were two different types of uh, cane. So and then from New Guinea and those parts of Taiwan and China. So it all went through the world. So somehow it got into the Arab world, from there to Portugal. Then from Portugal, it got to Brazil, from Brazil to the United States, well, to the to those areas and to the Caribbean. Okay, so you're talking about the trade routes around the Mediterranean. That's how it would get around there. Mm-hmm. The Silk Road from and to Asia. And then, of course, our uh, um, era of discovery where we have mm-hmm. ships going across the land, the water. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we can see, you know, the history of transport, basically. And it, it, it really ship. does represent money because people oh, yeah. will buy it. And especially the elite because they could afford mm-hmm. it. Well, speaking of transport and sugar, in Brazil, many cars are powered by the sugar cane. I'm not sure if you know about this. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's this alternative. It's been going on for many years. Um, I think it's called alcohol gas in Portuguese, um, which is like alcohol gas. And yeah, it's a lot of the cities smell like sugar because the cars are powered by, yeah, by sugar cane. Is it a more ego-friendly way to power cars or cheaper? Yeah, but I don't know all the science behind it. It's but you still have to consider the people who are cultivating it. These will be probably people who are very low paid oh, in yeah. very poor conditions. So we, we often think of alternative ways that will that will be beneficial to the mm-hmm. world. But then, you know, how is it really procured? How is it really coming in to mm-hmm. being? And then it's interesting, yeah, you said, uh, you mentioned the elite. And it's interesting that at the beginning, you know, sugar was only for the elite. It was so expensive. Only the richest of the rich could actually buy it. And I tried, when I tried to find some information as to, you know, where it appeared and how it spread around the world, it was interesting for me to read that uh, there are some kind of, um, you know, there is information that sugar was even uh, existing in ancient Greece, but at that time it was seen as medication, so it was not, you know, used as food. It was not added to food to sweeten it, but it was used solely as medication. So they said that it was uh, good for your intestines, good for your health. So apparently in ancient Greece, they would, you know, mix it with water. And then later, you know, people thought of it as sweet salt. And they said, oh, it's so good for your mood and for everything. Well, little did they know about dental problems that come with it. (laughs) They didn't know because then um, when it was sent to England, the elite would have these uh, kind of sugar parties and and display these beautiful little sugar um, coins, so to speak. And they, they knew right away that it gave them good mood. And they did not have, they made no connection to their bad teeth. Mm-hmm. And once happens, once it happens with your teeth, you get this toxins in your body and it affects your, mm-hmm. your heart, your, your um, organs, and they actually die. You could actually die of too much sugar. 
Yeah. And um, I was reading about the history of sugar in Russia. So because I thought, wait, where does Russia stand in all of that? You know, and it turned out that um, the first time that sugar was, you know, imported into Russia was in um, in the 11th, 12th century. And then only in the not in the 19th, but in the 18th century, Peter the Great, you know, started to import the sugar. So, you know, make it more common and widespread. And then uh, in 1809, they started the production of sugar in Russia. You know, they stopped importing. Well, not that they stopped importing. Where was this? Around the Black Sea? or mm-hmm. yeah. Well, St. Petersburg, you know, in that area, not in the, in, you know, in the Siberian parts. So, yeah, and uh, the production of sugar was, well, they started to produce the sugar from beetroot. So, and that's actually interesting because I have been thinking about the fact that when I was in the US, for example, to me, a lot of sweets, even the same sweets that I know that I used to eat in Russia, you know, they seem to be sweeter than the ones in Russia. And I was thinking, is it because, you know, uh, different companies in different countries use different types of sugar? So, or maybe that's because of the corn syrup, because, you know, sugar can be produced out of cane, corn. In Russia, it's mostly beetroot. So we don't have that much cane sugar or, you know, corn syrup. Have you heard of grape sugar? You can get sugar out of grapes. Grape sugar? Yes, grape sugar. So I, I'm thinking since we've listed those few things, there must be other uh, fruits or products that mm-hmm. you can get sugar from. Well, anything you can make alcohol out of, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I expect, you know, grape sugar to be way more expensive. Um, I just one. remember eating it in the 1970s. You'd go to a special health food store from California. Of course, we were leaders in the health food industry. Still are. <laughs> wow. I know about the popularity of coconut sugar nowadays because they say that it's, um, you know, less harmful, it's healthier, which kind of brings the question. So do you think there are some substitutes for sugar that are healthier? Probably not. No, nothing like um, sweet and low and all those other chemically made things. Yeah, I'm, sc- I'm uh-uh. scared of no, those I things. No, I never. Yeah. Uh-uh. Have you heard about stevia? I have heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. So, because, you know, if you go to places that have uh, healthy food, you know, all that, you will see, um, you know, some phrases like, oh, we don't use sugar, we, sh- we use stevia, which is a natural sweetener. So when it's extracted from the leaves of a shrub, of some kind of a shrub, and they say that it's healthier because it has lower, what is it, glee? Not glucose, glycemic glycemic index or something like glucose index. But um, I'm not sure. So what you're talking about is then not necessarily where the sugar comes from, but how it's produced. Because white sugar, if it's produced and they take out all the nutrients, then it's not going to be as beneficial to Mm. us. It's the way they produce it. Oh, you mean like refined sugars? Right, exactly. If it's refined, they've they've taken out the nutrients. Mm -hmm. As long as they keep the nutrients in, it's supposed to be good. But sugar is sugar and still going to affect your teeth. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, no matter what kind of a what kind of form it takes, what kind of a sweetener that is. Yes, because sugar, I mean, 
what is it? It's still this, uh, what is it? Sucrose, it can, it consists of fructose and glucose. So no matter what kind of a sweetener that is, whether that's natural or artificial sweetener, it still is going to be, you know, divided into glucose and fructose. It's just fructose is, um, so glucose is what is basically harmful for us. So, and let's say fruit and other, you know, natural things like vegetables, they have a high level, higher level of fructose, which makes them less damaging to the body. Whereas refined sugars and processed sugars, you know, uh, the end result, let's say, this is what has a higher level of glucose, which is actually more harmful to the body than fructose. Well, it's it's harmful <clears throat> for children to be raised on sugar because there have been studies where it'll affect their moods and they, they can't concentrate. And when I was thinking about this topic, I was thinking about being a child mm-hmm. and really literally being raised on sugar. I ate for breakfast the sugar pops, uh, mm-hmm. Lucky Charms. Yeah, Lucky Charms. Yeah, yes, yes. Those. And maybe even put sugar on it. After, after school, I'd come home and have a sugar sandwich two pieces of white bread, you put sugar on one and then put it the other one on top and slap it together as a sandwich. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so You know, um, that's so true. It doesn't matter where you grew and what year you grew up, you know, you were growing up. Every child's diet is so full of sugar. Yeah. And have you ever heard of Tang? Tang came out as um, an orange powder and as a replacement for orange juice. And you add water to it. And it was marketed as the drink of choice for the astronauts, our big space Mm -hmm. race between the USSR and the United States. And our astronauts took up Tang into their uh, capsule. And so we felt patriotic, I guess, (laughs) to have our Tang. You know, I recently um, heard that in those Lucky Charms, you know, in type, you know, different cereals, one single, you know, Lucky Charm or one single, you know, this piece of cereal can contain up to one uh, teaspoon of sugar in it. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, uh, one of the, one of my favorite things was to um, take a teaspoon of sugar and just heat it up you know, above, above open fire, well, above gas. So it would melt into this. Caramelize. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, just eat it as a, well, like a lollipop. Mm. Yeah. So it's just. My teeth hurt just thinking about that. (laughs) You know, um, and I wanted to say that um, there's one thing that I absolutely love about the U.S. and that Russia needs to do. In the U.S., on every single thing you buy in a supermarket, you can see the nutrition, you know, information, how much sugar it has, how much sodium it has. Because in Russia, you can only see fat, carbs, and protein amount, but nothing about sugar. This and, is this is regulated by law. By law, they have to have that. Because, you know, um, very often I had this urge to have some orange juice or something like that. I just, I was you know, craving some orange juice. But I took a bottle, which was what, like 10 ounces bottle. And I saw sugar, 55 grams. And I was just thinking, wait, it's 10 ounces. It's like 300 milliliters. How come that in this little bottle, there are 60 grams of sugar? That's unbelievable. And once I started to look at that, you know, this uh, iced tea, nasty. So, you know, like flavored iced tea. I used to love it. Then I found out that one bottle has 75 grams of sugar. 75! 
How come a little can of Coca-Cola, 33 grams of sugar? Oh, with Coca-Cola, have you heard that you can clean a, a car carbu- carburetor with a can of Coke? Oh, yeah. You can clean stuff because it's so, what, acidic or... Yes, yes. Strong. So carbonated and so yeah, carbonated. Yeah. I saw some videos of people clean toilets <laughs> with that. Oh. I don't, I don't drink fizzy drinks or soft drinks anymore. No, they're, they're, I don't. they're so bad for you. No. I mean, the, a good rule of thumb is if, if you would pour it on your skin and you can't really wash it off, you shouldn't be consuming it. Because if you think about what your intestines are going to look like. Oh, oh, so if you pour yeah. some cola on your arm on a hot sunny day, you're going to need to wash it off with some water. And, oh. and so probably what, some, some soap as well because it's so yeah. sticky. Oh, yeah. well, it is sticky. Um, sometimes we would use Coke on ballet floors. If the floors, oh my goodness, yeah, if the floors really? is too slippery, you take a little bit of Coca-Cola or Pepsi if you're from the West Coast and put it on the floor and... You won't slip. Oh, I didn't know Pepsi was a West Coast oh, thing. Oh, yes. I didn't realize so that. So I'm from California, so it's Pepsi <gasps> all the way. And then when I moved to um, the South, it's Coke, Coca-Cola, because we have the big... Barbara, uh, you have just, you know, explained no so idea. much. Because, you know, when I've been, you know, when I was going out with somebody uh, in Massachusetts, you know, we, we would go to a place and, uh, you know, for example, my friend would order some Coke. And she was told once that we don't have Coke, we have Pepsi. And she's yeah, like, "Is it okay? No." Yeah, is it she's okay? like, "Oh no, thank you." I'm like, "But wait, what's what's the what's the difference?" No difference. Oh my goodness, that's why she was all about, you know, like, yeah. "No, thank you." I mean, I know, I know. For instance, California has In and Out burgers, which don't exist. Well, they, I think there is one in Texas, but that's just like a one-off thing. Yeah, there but, are some chains like Carl's Jr. You might find a few there, and just more on the west. West yeah. Coast. Oh, it's like Dunkin' Donuts yeah. is nowhere to be found, you know, in the West. I remember only oh. finding one in DC. In Massachusetts, there are several thousand of them. Like, like mass people are crazy yeah. about Dunkin'. I was so surprised to see a Carl's Jr. by, was it Pierre Vermeyskaya Blushed or Square, sorry. Uh-huh. And speaking of tea and the West Coast and the South. Um, in California, I don't really, I didn't really drink tea much, but going to this into the South, they drink sweet tea and it is so sweet. And the first time I had it, I drank it and I go, oh, what is in this tea? <sighs> and I knew I was really Southern because I stayed there for 29 years. When I went up on a trip to a, a northern state, Ohio, stopped at a Denny's, and I said, oh, I, I ordered a, um, a sweet tea. And they really looked down their long nose at me. We don't have sweet tea up here. Like, oh, I'm Southern. I drink sweet tea. But you would have thought that because Denny's is a chain everywhere. You would yeah, have thought that. But, but it's very regional, very regional. And it must oh, be. Wow. It must be because of our sugar economy you know based on the slavery days the days of slavery where uh in south carolina and florida mm-hmm. there was there were the sugar cane fields and so we're i guess proud of this sugar in the south but it's a big deal in the south wow i did not know that i remember you mentioning uh sweet tea in one of the episodes oh. uh when when we were talking about something it's a big deal yeah Wow. And have you ever heard about such a thing as bliss point? No. So bliss point is basically when it comes to ingredients like sugar or salt. So it's the maximum amount of sugar that, you know, still makes the product, the food uh, desirable and tasty. And once you, you know, 
overstep this boundary, you know, you reach the level and you exceed it, it becomes, you know, disgustingly sweet. So, and it's interesting because I read about it in one of the books that I was reading about um, food. And I thought, and I still think that this bliss point would be different than for different nations in different countries and maybe even different regions. Because I have noticed that, again, the same thing, uh, let's say, you know, Kit Kat bars or something like that would have a totally different taste in Russia and in the US. And I've generally noticed that in the US, a lot of cookies, uh, chocolate and other things are sweeter, way sweeter than in Russia. So my teeth would hurt after even one bite. It's true because we have the Coca-Cola in Atlanta, Georgia, established there. And you can go on a tour Mm -hmm. and you'll have this big machine that produces um, the Coca-Cola from each country. And one time I did take a little taste of Russian Coca-Cola and it was just like, oh my goodness, what are they drinking out there? And so from every country, it tastes differently. You Mm -hmm. get these little sample cups, oh, from India, oh, that's different. That's so interesting. Yeah, we Americans have a different taste. So this bliss point would be different for different countries which is why you know even the same brand would have a totally different taste in different parts of the world i wonder what the difference between british cola and american i wonder i mean i don't don't drink it anymore but i wonder yeah we should you know conduct an experiment yeah you'd have to get some real english tea or real english coke and then i'd get some american coke or american tea and then we'll have a taste test that could be a good idea for a podcast in the future actually (laughs) have a you know we had we had an episode about snacks where uh two people tried russian snacks you know on air that was so fun so that would be you know cool to do something like that the only problem is that nobody's coming from britain anytime soon we have steven and john stuck there. Well, they can do that um, via satellite or something (laughs) and we can conduct it. Nice idea. But wait, but they would have, you know, to have some kind of Russian thing or American food. Right. So, of course, we would have some kind of courier Mm. courier to to, uh, messenger. There are are Russian shops in London. This this little one. But I'm wondering still, I guess if it's pure Russian, but don't they adapt or change, alter their recipe for English eaters or American eaters? It's like, you know, when we talk about food uh, and people say like, I like Chinese food, but I like American Chinese food. (laughs) Or as they say, like white Chinese food. So things like that that have been adapted. I mean, there's there's not many Russian restaurants in London. I mean, import shops. So, for instance, yeah, you would see pilmini and, yeah, aliona <laughs> bars. Mm-hmm. So I think these things are important, yeah. Okay, and why, why, why is sugar bad? So what kind of negative consequences can it have on our health? Well, obviously you have to, just, I mean, I'm not an expert, I'm not a nutritionist, but... I believe you have to separate refined sugar from naturally occurring sugars. We're to- well, let's yeah. talk about refined sugars, yes. Well, yeah, I mean, because that's pa- usually packed with other other ingredients, other additives, which are mm-hmm. terrible. I mean, I'm not so sure that natural sugars, I mean, of course they can cause problems, but animals like gorillas and bears, they, they go crazy for, for sugar and they, they seem to be okay. Whereas refined sugars mm-hmm. can cause problems because of the additives. Like what? Well, for instance, teeth. Mm-hmm. Teeth and 
perhaps digestion problems perhaps mm-hmm. yeah like i was saying previously if you spilt cola on your arm surely something's going to affect your digestive tract mm-hmm. okay so, so what cavities. what about um these so-called energy drinks mm-hmm. and it's filled with what sugar like red bull what is what is that thing that makes people want to drink these energy drinks sugar and it all comes down to sugar. And it, studies have shown that it gives heart attacks. I mean, I saw one, my my neighbor, who's, she was in her 70s, and she was drinking a Red Bull. Betty, don't drink that Red Bull. It's going to give you a heart attack. You know what? I have I have recently seen um, a bottle, well, a can, rather, in a supermarket, which was a combination of an energy drink. It was, I think it was Red Bull and espresso. So it was coffee oh, no. and an energy drink. That oh, sounds no. like a heart attack to me. You, yeah, that's a, a suicide pack with you, right? You know, it really. It is, yeah. Or if, oh, the other day, I was taking a walk and I was standing on a corner and I saw this girl, uh, junior high age, maybe twelve or thirteen, and she was drinking one of those Red Bulls or mm-hmm. things that are some similar. And I thought, oh my god, this young thing where your body is getting regulated by this foreign entity and you're getting used to it Mm -hmm. so how does it affect your learning your brain your development they wanted to pass a law you know to only sell those to people of 16 and older but i'm not sure they did maybe they did i don't know i think so okay so obviously there are so many negative um consequences or you know effects that sugar can have on our health so dental cavities problems with heart uh, mood sometimes. Um, oh, well, your blood pressure. Blood pressure. And your face will get hot and you'll um, shake because mm-hmm. you got your sugar, sugar high. Your kidneys as well, probably. Kidneys. Yeah. And they even say that there is a connection between overconsumption of sugar and diabetes, type 2 oh, diabetes. definitely, right, yes. Of course, of course, there are many other factors, you know, including your overall diet, your lifestyle, genetics, stress level that, you know, affect that and, you know, make you get diabetes and not get diabetes type 2. But yes, you know, um, I actually have a um, an example of my own. So in 2014... When I started, I just graduated from university. I started to work at a school, at a secondary school, which was horrible. Um, it was very stressful time. A lot of kids, a lot of problems. Really, I hated my job. I, at the same time, I was getting, you know, another degree. So, and I started to eat so much sugar. Like, do you know those Cinnabon rolls? Oh, yeah. So I would eat like three per day. I would drink like four cups of coffee per day with, you know, um, several shots of syrup in it. So that was bad. You know, I, I think I gained like 17 kilos at that time within a year. So and after that, after one year, I decided that I'd had enough. I quit my job. I went to a doctor, you know, to check my health. And she said, do you know that you are in pre-diabetes state? Like you have to stop eating, you know, all the sugar, you have to start exercising, you know, get rid of the stress, try to. So, and I was, I think I kind of woke up at that moment and realized how much sugar I had been eating all this year, how many, you know, cinnamon rolls, chocolate, drinks, sugary drinks and coffee, which let's be fair, did not even taste like coffee because it has so much syrup in it. It was so your, your body 
uh, was very tolerant of this because I know from my own experience in ballet, I could not have any chocolate because it would make me shake. Mm. And the the little bit that I have would just be a tiny little square. Now I can shove it in, eat the whole bag. It doesn't affect me one bit. Mm -hmm. And that's the danger part because that's on the other flip side of where you have to control your life and how you cannot allow your life to be so Mm -hmm. make you so stressed that you go to the sugar. And actually, you know, speaking of tolerance, so last summer, I was a little bit ashamed of it, but uh, last summer we had a day when we ate, uh, my friend and I, we just ate so many things, you know, uh, we went for drinks, which were also, you know, quite sugary because alcohol has a lot of sugar in it. Uh, Then we went to the bakery, you know, ate something else. By the nighttime, I just felt so terrible. I had to spend, you know, the night with a bucket in my in my arms. You know, I was hugging the bucket and puking all night long. Oh, because, no. <laughs> like, because yeah, I had way too much sugar. So now if I eat, you know, too many sweet things, I feel so bad. So that's why I have to, you know, control, control myself. Well, that's good because then your body is telling you to stop. Yes, yes. So that's why now I know that, for example... Um, I can't drink champagne much because it's way too sweet. So when I want, you know, have a glass of something that would be dry wine and not, you know, this oversweet drinks. And in general, you know, I try to cut down on sugar, you know, to choose more quality maybe, you know, over the quantity. So I would rather go to this good bakery and have a little piece of a cake, which would be more filling than the chocolate bars. Because I have noticed that I can eat a lot of chocolate bars and I don't feel full. I'll just be eating it, eating it. I mean, how, do you like fruit much or? I do, but, you know, every time I think, oh, I have apples in my fridge, but I have to go wash them, cut them. Uh, it's so much easier you know, to grab a chocolate bar. I guess, yeah. You know, well, usually and what- you should treat the... You should treat fruit like methadone to heroin. Uh, I thought <laughs> you would be. say, you know, I thought you would say you should treat your body as a temple. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should, because you, you understand what I mean. So methadone <laughs> to heroin, your fruits to your sugar addiction. I remember when we were talking about snacks in one of the podcast episodes, we uh, were talking about, you know, all these chocolate bars and chips. And we uh, discussed that it's just easier to grab, you know, a chocolate bar if you're going somewhere because you don't need, you know, to wash it and cut it and whatever. So sometimes, you know, it's the availability and the easiness of getting, you know, these sweet things. Okay, so that's marketing too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's a huge thing. You make, oh, it's easy. It's convenient. Throw it in the kids' lunch boxes. And it's just like those um, little fruit boxes with the straws Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. all these little package things for kids' lunch lunches. Actually, so um, I was, I would like to tell a little bit more about the book that I was reading, um, which is called Salt, Sugar and Fat. And that's where I got the idea for the episode, actually. So it's the book by Michael Moss, and it was recently translated into Russian like several years ago, whereas it came in the US at the beginning of the 2000s. And this was one of the points there. So he described the lunch boxes, you know, and the Lunchables, I think they're called. And he described what was inside, you know, how it's all processed. And I was horrified. Like, oh my goodness, do you really get that for children as a, you know, as a lunch? But then I remembered my school years when my mom would give me money, you know, to get something um, for lunch. And I would just buy, you know, 
candies, chocolate and everything. Which is why now at the age of 28, I have to get an implant. Yeah. Don't be like me. Yeah. Take care of your teeth. Really? Oh. <laughs> not not like you, but like me as well. I'm I, yes, I'm guilty of all of that. So as well. do you do you believe in such a thing as sugar withdrawal? Oh yes, I think so. Have you ever had sugar withdrawal? I don't think I have ever had just because I have never been, you know, long enough without sugar. Only once oh. I had to go one month without any kind of sugar. So And that was the moment when I realized how much sugar is in everything. Bread, sauces, ketchup, every single thing we eat has sugar. Because I had a terrible food poisoning. Like it was really bad. And after- Maybe food poisoning just from eating too much sugar or food no, poisoning just from bad from, food? From bad food. Yeah. So I think I ate something, you know, spoiled or something yeah. like that. And after that, I could not eat anything sugary. And that was the moment when I became lactose intolerant. So- I couldn't eat anything. So for me, it was, you know, everything was plain, without salt, something like that. But I did not have any kind of sugar withdrawals, you know, symptoms. But maybe that's because, you know, I was generally going through a hot time, you know, in terms oh, of... Oh, I, I think it would depend on what you're going through. If you've already made your decision that you're going to stop eating sugar and you're filling your life with all the positive things in your life, then it's not so bad. But it's, if you're going through stress and you're relying on sugar uh -huh, to get through the uh -huh. stress and then you said, I'm going to stop eating sugar, you know, you can't I think do it. it's also, it also depends, you know, whether you have to restrict yourself, you know, yourself or whether it's, you know, some consequence, well, conditions maybe, you know, when you have some kind of a health um, problem or something like that. So yeah, because if you say, starting with tomorrow, I'm eating no sugar. Now you're very likely to fail. Then. But on It's the other hand, you may realize how good you feel without having all that sugar. So I've gone through that as well and go, oh, wow, I feel so much better. How could I have done that to myself? You know what I noticed when I went one month without sugar? that everything started to taste differently, brighter maybe. So I have realized that usual things were so, you know, so much tastier than they used to be. Because sugar, you know, it kind of, I think it affects our taste buds as well. So, and that's why after that, you know, when I ate something sweet, it got, well, I had a feeling that it was way too sweet, too much, you know, too much sugar in it. Then I came back to, what I had been before. The That's what we poisoning. do. We re re revert back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's sad. So, and what about salt? So we've talked about sugar, but what about salt? How much salt is in your diet? And well, I guess everyone needs a certain level of salt because obviously we're made up. Well, we need salts, the, the electrolytes and salts. I'm not a nutritionist, but yeah, we do need a certain level of salt. But then again, You do have to be careful of how much you can mm -hmm. consume. Yeah, can, it, can it be as addictive as sugar? Well, it kind of, I think it's not as addictive as sugar, but at the same time, you know, it still makes food more desirable maybe. But you said that we have to be careful with salt. Why? So what can overconsumption of salt lead to? Well, I guess dehydration. High blood pressure. Mm -hmm. sh the shakes. Because <laughs> I yep. did that, yeah. So kidney stones, I think, so yeah. huge. Because, you know, the, the saltier the food, the more uh, stress it is, the more work it is for the kidneys. 
So thus, you know, if you eat three packs of chips per day, every day, your kidneys are not going to handle that well, most likely. Now, I don't buy any sugar, uh, any salt. So I don't have a package of salt and I don't put any salt on my food, but I'll use the garlic. And this garlic is such a great mm-hmm. um, flavoring. You know, and um, I was, uh, so you know that there's this kind of a limit. So the uh, scientists say that the level of sodium, well, salt sodium, that uh, we should have per day, well, maximum should be 2,500 milligrams. So, which is like the healthy norm if you eat, you know, less than that, perfect. But that's the max you should have per day. And it turns out that 90% of Americans, 90%, just think about it, averagely consume 4,000 milligrams of sodium per day. And, you know, again, uh, when I was reading this book and after reading this book, I started to pay attention. I became really, you know... um, attentive to to this nutrition uh, information. And again, what I like about the US is that they put the sodium amount and I thought, okay, can I actually do that with 2,500, you know, milligram of sodium? I could not because I realized, you know, I got one thing, even like, you know, chicken broth and I saw the amount of sodium. I'm like, okay, so that's basically it. That's the only thing I can have today if I want to, you know, limit my sodium level to 2,500 uh, milligram per day per day. So it, it's it's horrifying how much sodium there is in everything. That's why I don't feel like I need to put any salt on anything. There's probably some salt in there. Mm-hmm. It, well, if if you're eating something um, packaged like a can mm-hmm. or of something. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, I read about the consequences of overconsumption of salt and we've mentioned the dehydration, the kidney, uh, kidney diseases. And it turned out that too much sodium can also increase the risk of stroke, heart failure, osteoporosis, stomach cancer even. But of course, we're talking about overconsumption of it. So when we eat too much salt, so too many salty things... And what about, do you know anything about the types of salt? Have you seen, you know, the, the, the variety of salt in the, in the spice aisle? Yeah, but I think, yeah, there's well, Himalayan salts. Yeah, the, the pink Himalayan salt. Yeah. salt. Oh, sea salt. Sea salt. Yeah. Table salt. Well, I guess rock salt. Is that sea salt? Yeah. Maybe it's the same thing. There's also kosher. Yeah, kosher, yeah, Jewish salt, yeah. Do you know any difference between them? Do you think it's just the marketing? I don't know. Probably. I have some information for you then because I did a little, you know, research on that because I thought that's what I actually always think when I have to buy salt. And I think, is there really any difference? Because Himalayan salt is so expensive. It's like 10 times more expensive than the table salt. So there has to be some kind of a difference, right? Although every time it makes me funny, you know, when they say... This Himalayan salt was, you know, um, taken from the caves. It's more than 2,000 years old. And then lower, you see expiration date, you know, like January 2022. Yeah. You're like, right. So it's been, you know, okay for 2,000 years, but it expires on, come on. But yeah, so it turns out that uh, different types of salt differ in taste, in texture, in mineral and sodium content. So in sea, sea salt, for example, 
So it's uh, depending on the source and, you know, what kind of a seed was uh, taken from. So it usually contains various trace minerals like potassium, iron and zinc. But, and I remember, Barbara, you and I and Eluana talked about it in our agro-friendliness podcast, that nowadays we, the humanity faces a huge problem of plastic in the ocean. And that's why sea salt contains microplastic because it's taken from the sea. Sea now contains microplastics. Thus, people say that it's better to avoid using sea salt. So then Himalayan salt. So it comes from the salt mine in Pakistan. So the second largest salt mine in the world. So, and it contains iron, iron oxide. So basically it's rust, which, which is exactly what makes it pink. So it's just like any other salt. It just has a little bit of rust in it. And usually they say that it has small amounts of calcium, potassium, so which is which makes it slightly lower in sodium than regular table salt. But then again, rust. I don't know about you, but it makes me, you know, a little bit. Okay, well that reminds me of what's on a package of salt. Ionized salt. That's a really important for mm-hmm. us to have iron. What is it called? Iron not ionized? ionized, yeah. Yeah. We we're supposed to have that in our bodies. So now that I don't put any salt on my food, maybe I'm lacking in iodine or something. I think, well, that's why a lot of people, you know, they take iodine in in pills or something like that. Yeah. It's so okay, difficult. So now I have to, to go look up iodine. Yeah, I've got to look up iodine you know, balance Because I don't think I have any. <laughs> then we have kosher salt, which is, uh, which has larger, you know, flake sizes. So, and they say it's preferable. Well, you know, that's why, um, because it's larger, uh, more chefs use it just because it's easier to pick up with your fingers, you know, and kind of spread over food and sprinkle over food. But it has a little bit of different texture. So and it tends to be um, less salty than regular table salt. So that's why if you want to, you know, replace it, you, you shouldn't do it with like one to one ratio, but you should put a little bit of more kosher salt if you want to, you know, switch to it so yeah apparently it's not that simple and i honestly before that i used to think that it's nothing but marketing it turns out that no it's just rust it's just (laughs) it's just rust and microplastic like wow what's your diet like you're like you know microplastic rust (laughs) things like that okay they just found um plastic snowing plastic in siberia so Whatever it's landing on, we're taking that into plastic in snow. Mm-hmm. Yes. How? Yeah, in Tomsk, the scientists were discovering this and looking at it. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Really bad. All right. And um, salt, sugar, and there's the third element that, you know, powers the earth, which is fat. So, and remember I told you about the book, Salt, Sugar, and Fat. Really, I advise everyone to read it. It's eye-opening. So, and reread it probably. Because when I read it the first time, I tried to change my diet and I did for some time. Now I'm back to eating horribly. So maybe I should reread it. But uh, I remember what was shocking is that, so this book has three chapters, each devoted to each element. So salt, sugar, and fat. We've talked about, you know, salt, we've talked about sugar and what surprised me and shocked me about fat is that we have in our body the limit for sugar, right? If we eat too much, we feel bad. 
We have a limit for salt. If we eat too much, we can feel bad. But our bodies do not have a built-in limit for fat. So, which means that we have taste buds for salt and sugar, but our taste buds do not react to fat. We can eat. Nothing stops us, basically, from eating too much fat. And that's what we do. And averagely, uh, everyone eats 50% more fat than we should per day, every single day, because we don't feel it. So, and um, if you think about any kind of food you like, you know, we usually like the texture, we like how filling that is. And that's all because of, well, fat. And one more thing that this book, you know, kind of says is that none of this is food industry's fault. It's all our fault. Because, you know, we are responsible that, you know, all these aisles in the supermarket are filled with this kind of crappy products, you know, full of sodium and sugar because we like it. I mean, let's be fair, we all do. And um, I remember reading about one of the experiment, uh, what's the company? Uh, I think it was Kraft. So the company that produces, you know, the, the chicken broths. The, the Philadelphia the, cheese, yeah. The Philadelphia cheese, yeah. yes. It's actually like a huge conglomerate of different companies. Yeah, is huge, yeah. I think it's like nearly everything that is sold in the U.S. supermarkets. Yeah, Nestle, Crofts, yeah. Campbell, I think, is also theirs. So anyway, so and they at some point decided to, you know, be responsible and lower the level of sodium in their soups. And the result, the customer, well, the consumers started complaining and they said, your soups are, you know, are not as tasty as they used to be. Because people were not used to the low sodium amounts. So basically, you know, the demand and supply rule. So we want lower sodium, but at the same time, we don't want lower sodium. We want less sugar, but at the same time, we don't want less sugar because then it's all bland. Ah, the problem, the problem. So, and I have, I have a question. So if I asked you, what would be your main take away from our today's talk do you think you're going to change something about your diet about how much salt or sugar or fat you consume i guess the takeaway is move to japan or move to italy and eat italian or japanese food oh wait because... a minute that soy sauce has a lot of salt in it well, i guess it does this... <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> the japanese do hmm. live, do have and yeah. what about the oil? The Korean food is so oily. It is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to look up iodine, see if I've, I have some kind of uh, deficiency. <laughs> so which countries live the longest? I mean, will have the highest life expectancy. I guess Japan. Don't you remember what we talked previous, about? Yeah, France. Well, America, yeah. right? No, no. No, we don't. I'm afraid if, if we look at the countries and the regions that have the highest amount of centenarians, it's... Okinawa in Japan, not the whole of Japan, but Okinawa, which is an island. Um, Greece. That's the olive oil. So Mediterranean diet, you know, it's, it actually has a lot of fruit, vegetables, but not much salt. Nothing, you know, extra fat. Well, just like I said, olive oil with the garlic. Then you don't need anything else on there. So yeah. what, what else? Some parts of Puerto Rico. So that are said to have the highest amount of centenarians. So, yeah, maybe not. Well, Italy would be good, you know. Still Mediterranean diet. 
Yeah. I mean, Why? they have a lot of fat in their foods, but... Ah, yes. Damn it. So, way too much fat, actually. Yeah. There's no, you know, no place, it seems. So, we are responsible for our diet, no matter where we are then. You know. All right, Barbara, what would be your takeaway, you said? Yeah, I'm going to look up iodine. I'm going to I'm going to still maybe cut the M&Ms to about my half amount. I'm going to continue with my olive oil and garlic. I think that's mm-hmm. what really saves my life. I think that's really healthy. Also sounds very tasty. Yeah. You can't, you know, mess anything up with garlic. Mm-hmm. Mm, I wonder what my, take, what my takeaway would be. I think... The main one is that I definitely need to do something about my diet. But on the other hand, do I want to? Yeah, I got to think about it. But I definitely should reread this book. So it's Salt, Sugar and Fat by Michael Moss. Make sure to read it. It's fantastic. I also remember, by the way, how shocked I was about cheese production in the US when I when, when I was reading about it in the book. It turned out that there is overproduction of cheese. So very often it's just stored in warehouses and the country doesn't know what to do with it because they, they produce way too much because they have to do something with all the fat they get from the milk because most people now prefer low-fat milk and non-fat milk. So and they make cheese with the fat with the extra fat and then they have too much cheese yeah this concludes today's edition of weird facts you didn't need to know but here we are yeah I think there's an expression for mountains of cheese rivers of milk I heard that somewhere I think that's probably in reference to the situation in America I'm not sure oh I have never heard about this phrase very pithy yeah all right Well, dear listeners, that was the Big Apple School podcast. And today, Barbara, Ben and I discussed salt, sugar, a little bit about fat. And we talked about our diets and what diet, well, let's say the the features of each diet. So thank you for listening. And remember, if you struggle to understand our conversation, you're always welcome to our website, which is bigappleschool.com slash podcast. So you can find full scripts of each episode there and you can read while listening. Cool, right? Also, if you want to get more content, which will help you learn English, you can follow us on the social media, such as Instagram, BK, YouTube, Telegram, and so on. Just search our name, which is again, Big Apple School. And the information on each of the social you know, media is different. So you won't be reading the same stuff everywhere. Nah. So that was Carter. And my guests for today were Barbara and Benjamin. Stay tuned and we'll see you around.